0: whole plan on how I was going to open up, and then those last two songs messed me up. So, am just going to roll with how I feel it in my heart. When you consider the words that we just sang, like I've been overwhelmed all week long at the thought of the love of God. and. I'm not even going to apologize for what's about to happen because I feel snot running and tears going, so I'm just, I was reminded all week long of where I have been and what God rescued me from. Man, his grace found me where I was, but his love didn't leave me where he found me if we believe that now, i'm i'm not impressed by me and i pray that you're not either but may we stand in awe of a god who needs nothing but would leave everything because of love you see there's nothing else that i can say that's going to change your world. That's the gospel. And we'll dive into Psalm 18 in just a moment, but I just, as we're going through the word today, I just want you to capture that thought in your mind. We're not here today because we are impressive, but because of his grace and his mercy. Remember where he found you and what he asked of you. He didn't ask you or I to figure it out, to become perfect and then enter in. No, he said, allow me to meet you where you are and cover you with my love. And if we can hold on to that today as we go through the word of God, then I can assure you, you will not leave here the same way you came in. You cannot leave here the same way you came in. His grace would not allow you to leave here the same way you came in. His love will radically change your life. And whatever it is that has held you back, held you down, it's not bigger than the blood of Jesus and the love of God. We're going to read Psalm 118 in its entirety. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 118, or Psalm 18, excuse me. If you have a device and you want to turn to that, i read from the ESV so you can open up to Psalm 18. If you don't have a Bible or a device where you can find the passage... It's good right now to just close your eyes and allow the word of God to captivate your heart and soul. Before we dive into the word, I ask that you would pray with me and pray for me. Father, how grateful we are for your grace, your mercy, your love, your majesty that you, a holy, righteous God, would look to enter into the muck and the mire, to rescue and to redeem. We don't come before you in our glory. We come before you broken, battered, and bruised, believing that you can do something beautiful with a messy situation. So as only you can, Father, please meet us at the point of our need, rescue, redeem. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 18, to the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord. On the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. For you uh, you have saved a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me. I destroyed. They cried for help. But there was none to say they cried to the Lord but he did not answer them I beat them fine as dust before the wind I cast them out like the mire of the streets you delivered me from strife with the people you made me the head of the nations people whom I had not known served me as soon as they heard of me they obeyed me foreigners came cringing to me foreigners lose heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord, and the word of God is good all by itself. Context is critical to appreciate all that David communicated in this Psalm Psalm 18 is copied and pasted from 2nd Samuel chapter 22 and if you read 1st Samuel and you read 2nd Samuel through chapter 22 you will understand that David is now an older man he is coming to the end of his reign he is no longer strong enough to lead the children of Israel into battle And David is looking over his life, and he sees what God has done. He has experienced success like none other, unprecedented. And here now, David, this old wise king, writes what we can consider a legacy song. Except David is not writing an ode to his accomplishments, He's writing, giving praise, honor, and glory for all that he has experienced and done to none other than God and God alone. And the reason why David, with all of the success that he's experienced, would give all the credit to God, something that most others would never do, is because David remembers where he has been. And what God has delivered him from. And we see that in the psalm. David remembers that he was in the depths of despair for his life physically. He says here in verses 4 through 6, The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. David recognized that he has found himself in some very difficult spaces, And time will not allow me to go to 1 Samuel chapters 21 through 27, but if you have never read it before, I encourage you to go and read those verses and those chapters. If you have read it and it's been a while, go back and read it again just so you can understand that this wasn't exaggeration for effect. Death encompassed, destruction assailed cords of shield entangled, snares of death confronted. David found himself on the run from King Saul, and he was so much in despair that he felt it would be better for him to go and hide out in the very nation of the people that he had been decimating as a general of Israel. He goes into Gath of Philistia, and he sees King Ath, and they remember, or Achash, and they remember that this is David. The one that they sing about that he has killed his tens of thousands and David recognized that he's been made out and he starts drooling at his beard and acting like he's not in his right mind so that he could possibly make it out of this situation alive. And then David goes and he hides in caves and in the wilderness running for his life. And he was so in despair, David says, of his life in 1 Samuel, that he went back to the very place that he was just drooling and acting like he lost his mind because he felt it would be safer for him in Philistia than it would be in Israel because Saul was about to get him. And now David is hiding out in Gath until Saul dies. He was in despair of his life not exaggeration for effect. But David recognizes that in those spaces, he remembers that I called upon the Lord. I cried for help. And he says that my voice was heard by God. And he rescued me. Verses 16 through 19. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. David was overwhelmed. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The only reason... David is communicating here that I am where I am today is because God rescued me. If any, this is what he is remembering as he thinks back over his life, where he has been and what God has brought him through. He was in despair of his life physically, and he remembers that God rescued me. But David also recalls that he was in despair of his life spiritually, and he remembers that God redeemed him. Verses 20. Through 24, David says, The Lord delighted, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. Now, if we don't have context, it could sound like with everything else, smack dab in the middle of this song, David just takes a moment to get fleshy and says, but I did have that one time where I did nail it. <laughs> you know, I was pretty righteous, clean, blameless, and you owed me. <clears throat> but if we understand David's story, that's not the context at all. See, again, you'd have to go back and read 2 Samuel. You could read Second Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12, where David, the king who leads the people out into battle, had a season where he decided he was going to just hang out for a little while and not lead the people into war. And he found himself in a precarious position as he was on his rooftop and he saw somebody else's wife and he was tempted and he took this person's wife in and then to cover up his mess, he had this person removed from the picture. And after about nearly a year of covering up this mess, the prophet Nathan is sent by God himself to confront David and call David out on his sin. And we can see in Psalm 51, David's response to this call out by the servant of God. And I'm just going to pull out a few verses in the interest of time, but you can read all of Psalm 51 I'd even encourage you by the time we're done today that Psalm 51 may be a good place for some of us to sit in this week. But just a couple of verses so that you could understand David's heart. He wasn't now all of a sudden after talking about, look how the Lord delivered me, saying, but I had a season where I didn't nail it and you owed me. No, he's communicating something different. Verse 1 through 3, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. This is David's response when Nathan called him out according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me verse 7 purge me with hyssop not a pleasant cleaning process and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Here in verse 17, David lets us know the posture that he takes. He does not get puffed up. He says that the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. And this word broken means shattered in pieces. But then he goes further and he says a broken and contrite heart. So again, shattered in pieces and contrite means to crush completely. So David is saying, I was just a mess before you, God, completely broken when I was acknowledging my sin. I did not come before you and say, I'm blameless. You owe me. No, I said, Lord, I'm broken. Please rescue me. Redeem me. I cannot. If you clean me, I'll be clean, but I can't clean myself. I made a mess of my life. And if you don't enter in and clean me, I'm going to be a wretch undone. Please restore to me the joy. David was crying out to God. And so when David says in verses 20 through 24, my righteousness, the cleanness of my hands, what he's acknowledging is the finished work that God did in his life. So he's now saying, I'm clean because you made me clean. I'm whole because you made me whole. Not Look at what I did, you owe me. No, look at what you did and now I identify with your cleaning me. So I no longer go and throw a pity party and say woe is me because 20 years ago I found myself a wretch undone. No, God, you clean me completely and now my cleanness because of how you clean me, my blamelessness because of how you rescued me. He even says that in verse 32 of this same psalm, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. It was God who made his way blameless. David is giving credit to God for rescuing him and redeeming him. And then we see in this Psalm, verse 27, David then gives a summary statement of a lesson that he learned over a lifetime. And we'd be good to grab a hold of it here. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. God, you save the lowly from the depths of despair. But the haughty, the proud, you bring down to the depths of despair. And David understands this to be true because he knows the posture of the humble versus the posture of the haughty. And we see that in the psalm that David wrote the first half of it. David says, a humble people ask for help. I cry to you. I call to you. See, because humble people admit that I have a need. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overcome. I cannot do it on my own. And they acknowledge that they are insufficient to meet their need. Humble people ask for help. Prideful people act like they have it all together. I don't need no help. I don't have problems. You have problems. I don't have problems. And if I did have a problem, I'd figure it out, which is why I don't have problems, because I saw a problem. See, no, no. So a prideful person doesn't position themselves to be saved because they won't ask for help. Humble people, we ask for help. But not only do humble people ask for help, humble people receive help, right? Verses 20 through 24, David received help from his friend Nathan. Nathan called him out, and instead of saying, no, man, that wasn't me, that was that person there, no, he said, oh, broken spirit. Broken and contrite heart. Ah, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. He received help because humble people admit they are not perfect, and they acknowledge they need accountability. Prideful people, oh, we're striving for perfection if we're filled with pride. And if you did point out the imperfection, we'd get defensive if we were filled with pride. Humble people don't do that. We acknowledge I need accountability because I'm not perfect. I need help. So I ask for help and I receive help. And David lets us know that the humble people, God saves. He rescues and he redeems. And what do you do when you ask for that which you could not provide and you receive that which you could never obtain? you attribute all that you have and all that you are to the only one who could rescue you and redeem you from the depths of despair. And that's what David does, verses 28 through 30, and even through the rest of the song. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop And by my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. You like my way. Without you, I'd be lost. You give me strength. Without you, I'd be weak, feeble, and couldn't make it. But with you, your way is perfect. He's a refuge, a strong tower, a mighty fortress to all who would run to him. But only the humble take that posture. And we who are saved should be able to identify completely with David, understanding what it is to be in the depths of despair. Because we all have the same testimony. It may be different in its nuances, but overall, it's the same testimony, and we see it here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, him being Jesus Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ Jesus. See, we were all like David, in despair, the depths of despair, in our trespasses and sins, and we could not find a way out. We were overwhelmed and overcome, and we could not rescue or redeem ourselves. But when we cried out for help, and when we received that help, he says he took our debts and canceled them. But he didn't just wash it down the stream. No, he canceled them by nailing himself to the cross, He canceled them by paying for them. And when we remember this, and we look back over our lives, well, we write a legacy song as well. And it's not an ode to me. It's to the glory and fame of the only name that could rescue and redeem. And so I speak of God and God alone. There's nothing impressive about Michael Darboos. If you could sit down and have a conversation with me 10 years ago, you would not be impressed. If you could have a conversation with me like the conversations I have with my wife, you'd even be less impressed. But because of who God is. And what he has done, he gives us the strength to bend back a bronze bow. Who do you give credit for when you stand tall and strong? I write a legacy song to a love that changed my life. And to God and God alone, I give honor, glory, and praise. I found myself overwhelmed this week as I was remembering with great detail how I should have died not figuratively, literally, multiple times. And the Lord rescued. And I know that I should not be standing as a proclaimer of this good news. But God redeemed me. And now I could say my righteousness because Christ has paid the debt. And I can say the cleanness of my hands because Jesus has washed me. And now I can stand and share this truth unashamedly. Listen, there's a very simple message that I want to leave us with today. Hold on to humility. Hold on to humility. There's no reason to go back to pride. There's no reason to try to act like we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Do not let the culture Try to define how we live this life. Do not let this community, the woodlands, try to define how you live your life. See, I'm going to preach it how I see it in my head. Son, can you pass me that stool? I wasn't going to use it. I said, just in case, I had this, this vision in my head while I was preaching. I just felt, take the stool, Michael, because I need to sit down for this one because I, <clears throat> I get myself all worked up starting to preach the word. And I heard the Lord say, First Thessalonians. He said, like a nursing mother with his child, I want to be gentle with you because I feel this thing in my soul. Humble people ask for help. I'm going to look at the ceiling, because I don't want anybody to think that I am calling you out. But if you feel a certain thing, please don't ignore it. Humble people ask for help. And there's a lot of people in this room that are not asking for help. You know that you are overwhelmed you know that you are broken, battered, and bruised, and hiding. And if I was sent for no other reason than this message, then this was well worth it. The Lord is telling us to stop hiding. I know this this is not, I never preach to impress. My prayer is that transformation will happen. And I believe this is the space where it's getting ready to happen. So forget the last however many minutes, but don't forget this. Do not let pride cause you to miss out on the hope that you have in Jesus. Do not let the attempt to figure it out on your own cause you to take the posture of the haughty and miss out on the salvation that's promised to the humble admit that you are broken and know that the lord hears the cry of his people and he promises to rescue humble people receive help stop trying to act like you're perfect listen you're a mess you are and so am i you know i i really wish It it pains me because people see me preach, and I think you have a wrong picture of the person that you see. Oh, you don't use notes? Yes, I do. There's 66 books in here that I desperately cling to. There's nothing impressive. If it were not for Jesus, I would not be able to articulate a single phrase. I failed English. Like writing stuff, that's not my thing. The fact that I'm a public speaker or communicator of anything, mind-boggling to me. Right? But I don't need to act like I'm polished or put together. If I did, I would not be able to stand here. The reason why I get up is because I believe that God is faithful, not because I figured it out or I have mastered something. Right? But we try in this culture to be subject matter experts. And if I don't have a doctorate, then I can't do it. No, God uses broken people to do a beautiful work. Read the scriptures. Gideon was hiding out in a wine press, threshing wheat. If you were here last week, you know that process. You don't do that in a wine press. You do that in an open field, but he was scared and hiding. And the Lord comes to him and says, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, a mighty what? You clearly stopped by the wrong wine press. That's what we are. That's how we are. A mighty who? Oh, you're going to show yourself mighty through me? Then I make myself available to you. That's what we do. But we don't take that posture when we try to be perfect. And the Lord doesn't need you or me to be perfect, to experience his power, his love, and his grace. But if you, people of God, do not grab a hold of this, we are missing out on a piece that makes no sense. Because we're still trying to figure it out. Stop. Stop. Just admit, Lord, I'm broken. I'm imperfect, but if you would choose for reasons that I can't really fathom to call me your son or your daughter, then for your glory and for my growth, I come, and that's what we need to do today. We don't need to leave here another day overwhelmed by the cares of this world. You have a Savior. Who would leave heaven and come to earth? I wish I could preach it like I feel it in my soul. But you'd have to know my story. He's good. He's good. And the God who will give up everything for your salvation doesn't want you to continue to be overwhelmed by the cares of this world. There's a peace. the believer, if you could remember who he is and what he's done. We do not fake it till we make it. We run to the only one who can rescue and redeem. And I hear the Lord asking one question, will you come? Will you come? I don't have a pretty closeout. There's no great transition from this moment. I probably need a tissue. That's why I married her. Thank you. Listen, if you can, don't feel forced, but I invite you to take a knee with me, to go before the throne of grace. If you can't, you can sit, but I want to come. I want to come before the creator who calls me. And I want to take a humbled posture, knowing that he hears my cry and that he'll rescue and redeem. So if you would, if you can. Father, we come broken, battered, and bruised, admitting that we are desperate. We have needs that have needs that we don't even know about. We're overwhelmed at the very thought of trying to figure it out because we don't have the answers, because we don't know the future. Some of us have been hiding, trying to act like it's all good when it really is all as bad as it could possibly be. And we don't want to fake it until we make it. We believe that we can make it because Jesus was willing to pay it. And so we come. As only you can. Clean us, wash us, purge us with hyssop, make us white as snow, that we might be able to identify with the finished work of the cross and say, my righteousness, the cleanness of my hands, because I have been cleaned by one who rescues and redeems completely. We come. Please meet us here. You said in your word that if we seek you with our whole heart, that we would find you. May we be found by you on this morning. And may you overwhelm us with a peace that passes all understanding. Weary and wounded, we come before you. And we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. And we take up the yoke of Jesus, which is easy, and his burden, which is light. And we sing a song, a legacy song of love a love that would rescue and redeem from the deepest, darkest, nastiest pits. Of despair. And as a humble people, we enter into your presence. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. We take refuge in you. We take refuge in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with us if you can. If you need to remain seated or kneeling, then you stay right where you need to be. If you need prayer, you can come and Jomar myself and... Andrew and Andrea will be in the back, ready, willing, and able to pray with you, to pray for you. We're not alone. We have a Redeemer who promises to rescue and redeem. May we sing a song, a legacy song of his love.